the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, earlier this week the players voted for their MVP. T.J. Watt was the winner. Uh, what was your reaction to that outcome? You know, I don't know that I had a reaction. I think everyone uh, thought it was a joke that we were even, even voting. Uh, it was that definitive. Um, he's made plays time and time again, has been a consistent contributor and splash playmaker. Uh, he's got a really professional approach. Um, the longer he's here, the more vocal he is in terms of leadership. Um, I think it was a foregone conclusion by the time we got to the vote uh, who the 2019 MVP of the Pittsburgh Steelers is. You know, football is the ultimate team game, but so why do you think that has value, that voting for an individual uh, by his teammates uh, as the most valuable? Why do you think that has value? Because of what you just said, that individual voted by his teammates. And um, because it's by his teammates and because it's in-house, there is no – perception or no weighty, you know, the quarterback position isn't weighted heavier than others. Um, For example, uh, the men inside that room understand that that guy played outside linebacker at an extreme high level. And and that's why they recognize him as such. And oftentimes um, when it's you know, voted on by the media or by people outside the room, uh, positions get weighted differently, those that comprise highlights on Sports Center and so forth. Um, but this is really a reflection of what he does and how his, fe- how his teammates feel about it. Can you take us into the process just a little bit? I mean, how does it work? Is it a show of hands, a paper ballot? Uh, do any of the team captains maybe get up and say a few things before the voting, maybe on behalf of a uh, on behalf of a player they believe is worthy? Are there ground rules? Uh, how there, does it work? There's a blank piece of paper with one line on it, um, and I stand up and I say, um, whatever MVP means to you, uh, whoever you think the MVP of 2019 for the Pittsburgh Steelers is, write that name down on a piece of paper. And that's all we say. The more you say, the more you frame it, the next thing you know, you're leading people. And uh, we want it to be what it is. We want it to be um, the guy that the men in the room believes performed and performed at an extreme high level. Okay, so then you count the ballots, and then how is the winner notified? Uh, I call the team up and, and, and let them know uh, after one, after the morning walk through the day that we the day that we vote. And then is there, is there a reaction from them, I mean? You know, sometimes there is, but in this case, like I said, um, there really was no reaction. Um, some of the more senior guys didn't even want to vote. They were like, what are we voting for? You know, yeah. that type of thing. So it, it wasn't the drama associated with it that maybe it could be. Uh, over the course of this season, you've had instances uh, where players were acquired from other teams during a week and then were gotten ready to play a game at the end of that week. Uh, with the exception of an emergency-type situation, could that happen with a quarterback? Yes. Um, it, it, whenever you, you're, you're making that move, it is an emergency-like situation. So I, I laugh because um, if you're acquiring somebody um, – Midweek and you're working them to getting ready to play. It is an emergency. All the all the instances that you mentioned were probably could be classified as emergencies. And if you're doing it at the quarterback position, you could also probably put it in that category. So how would you go about that? I mean, I understand we're talking hypotheticals. If you if you need a quarterback on on short notice, you better go with a veteran guy. Um, maybe a veteran guy that you have experience with or has experience with your system or your language of offense. Uh, that that cuts down on a lot of the a lot of the things 
Um, it's it's a very narrow space. You're looking for a limited number of guys. I think that's why you see a guy like Josh McCown get repeatedly hired uh, under circumstances similar to those things, or a guy like um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example. They're veteran guys. They've been around a lot of football. They've been in a lot of systems. They understand language. They're capable of working above an acceptable line in a very short period of time. Uh, at your news conference Tuesday, uh, you admitted to not having much experience or exposure uh, to Paxton Lynch uh, since he was brought here. Um, could you go to him on Sunday in a non-emergency situation with any kind of confidence? Why would I go to him in a non-emergency-like situation? Again, it depends on how you define emergency. Um, if, I go, if I'm going to him, I'm going to him because I need to, uh, and it's as simple as that. Uh, emergency is a loose term. What are your plans for running back today? You know, we're going to lean on the talents of the group collectively. Um, we, we always do that when we're playing without James. I think the other guys lack experience and exposure, and I think the strength is the pack in, in those instances. So we're going to divvy up the work, and uh, maybe as the game unfolds, a uh, hot hand will develop and – and, and somebody will be a featured guy. But as we get off the bus, we'll get off the bus with the understanding that we're going to utilize all the guys. Uh, when it comes to your offense and, and how this season has pro- has progressed with respect to that, is there any aspect of performance you believe you can count on from one week to the next as you're getting ready for the next opponent? It is no question. Um, we've gotten consistent play. Uh, from a veteran offensive line, but that is to be expected. Uh, oftentimes, consistent performance gets overlooked uh, because of statistics and the outcome of games, and rightfully so, because there's a lack of in it, there's a lack of experience and execution around them at times. But I think largely. Um, They've, they've been the group that we expected them to be. I think we've got strong, consistent play from the tight end position at times. Um, Vance, Vance's availability has been limited at times. Uh, but when available, um, he's been who we've expected him to be. Um, offense is a very collective thing. Uh, oftentimes individual, individuals comprise the highlights and things of that nature. Uh, getting an opportunity to score makes significant plays. But we're not going to function as a group unless we're getting a certain level of um, performance across the board and collectively. And it's been tough to find a consistent formula uh, within those circumstances based on uh, obvious variables. Uh, this week you were preparing your team for an opponent that already had announced a plan to rest some of its key players. Uh, on offense, one of the guys mentioned as getting rest is Lamar Jackson. How do you prepare for an opponent when the opponent has set a guy who has defined what they've done all season isn't going to play? You know, they, I'm sure they had similar questions to ask themselves as they prepared for us the first time when Ben wasn't playing. Um, you know, people miss games. They miss games for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's the next man's opportunity to step up, and uh, we as coaches who play against them have to weigh what that means from a t- strategic standpoint uh, and a schematic standpoint. And really it's just part of the game. It doesn't matter whether they're choosing to rest him or he's missing a game due to injury. There's an adjustment for them. There's an adjustment for us, uh, for those who prepare for them. Uh, and um, there's some challenges, obviously, to prepare to play without a guy who's played the level that he's played to. But there's also an advantage. There's also an, an unknown. There's an unknown that, that we have in terms of what their personality might be. And so there's positives and negatives, and you better work to, to lean on the, 
the mystique or the mystery of it. I know that we work to uh, when we're missing significant components of our offensive group. Uh, there are obvious challenges under those circumstances, but there are also some opportunities. Uh, you're less predictable. Um, you know, when you're missing a Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, a lot of people know where the ball might go on a possession down. But when he's not in the game, it's somewhat of a mystery where the ball might go. Uh, and so there's some challenges, but there are also some advantages. You can waste a lot of time uh, worrying about how difficult it is. Uh, we tend to focus on the advantages that it might provide us and, and work to, to accentuate those elements. A team in that kind of situation uh, with their quarterback not playing, do they typically just put a like you you've always said next man up? Do you put the guy in and run the same offense, or is it different because he's a different kind of player? Provided his skill set is in line with what it is you're trying to do. Uh, when you have red paint, you paint your barn red. I'd imagine there's a lot of things that RG3 is going to be able to do that's similar to Lamar Jackson. That's why he's Lamar Jackson's backup. But I imagine there are some things that are exclusive to Lamar that they won't ask him to do if they're prudent and thoughtful, and no question they are. Baltimore's three tight ends, Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst. They've combined for over 120 catches. They have 14 receiving touchdowns. Uh, how did the Bravens use them in the passing game? Do they use different guys at different uh, spots of the field? Uh, how's it? How's it look? They have a very strict division of labor. Boyle is the inline blocker, um, and so in the in the play action passing game, he acts as a running back, if you will. He's a check down or an outlet type of a guy. The other guys are more vertical in nature in terms of the routes that they catch, um, and so they produce some of the statistics that you mentioned by play action pass. Um, the quarterback is a runner. Mark Ingram's a runner. They challenge you with a lot of big personnel groups, which add additional gaps for you to defend. So it provides a, a leg up in the play-action passing game, and they get those guys vertically down the field. And that's how they're able to produce some of the numbers and splash plays and touchdowns uh, that you mentioned. Uh, is there a certain specific way that this game today has to unfold against the Ravens for the Steelers to leave here with a victory? We can't allow them to be on schedule. And in an effort to to to, to minimize that, uh, we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run in in every facet, whether it's uh, you know running back runs, whether it's quarterback runs, uh, whether it's quarterback scrambles. Uh, the running element of play uh, cannot weigh in their advantage today. Uh, it's weighed in their advantage all year. They probably average thirty five minutes of time of possession per game. Uh, they've only punted 37 times all year, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things are transpiring because they were on schedule, they're moving the chains, and the run game is a big-time asset for them. They're 92 yards away from history, I think, in terms of being the, um, the most successful rushing team in NFL history. And so it starts and ends there for us. The Steelers have had a lot to overcome this season in the area of injuries, uh, but I honestly can't ever remember a team having to overcome an injury to its play-by-play -play announcer. Uh, you have any words of advice for Bill Hillgrove as, he, as he's about to tackle rehab following the surgery he had on his back last Saturday? He better take it day by day and, and don't come back too soon. <laughs> Man, much respect to Bill. Wishing him the very best in his rehabilitation. Uh, enjoy working with him. Uh, he's an icon, and uh, we look forward to seeing him back on the task uh, very, very soon.